not my strength the last time. You alone are my strength and my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are all welcome. Today we conclude with our message on being mindful of eternity. Hallelujah to Jesus. Being mindful of eternity. Let's turn our Bibles to our golden or key text. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 3. Hallelujah. I told you the reason why Colossians is used. Very important for those who don't know. Hallelujah. It covers every type of person. Amen. Or every nationality, every language, every way of saying Colossians. Hallelujah. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, this is very important. If you and I are risen with Christ, we talked about that the last two weeks, then we should seek the things which are above. Where above? In planet uh, uh, Mars? No. It explains the above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So there's a specific above. Hallelujah. So seek the things which are above where Christ is. So you and I, because we are risen with Christ and we are, our spiritual position is at God's right hand, God wants you and I to seek heaven. Seek heavenly things. Seek God the Father. Seek God the Son. Seek God. Because where Christ sitteth, what is where Christ sitteth? God is there. Hallelujah. So you and I are to seek God the Father, seek God the Son, seek heavenly things. Verse 2. Set your affection. So make a conscious effort to set your affection. Tune your affection. Tune or reprogram your mind. Set your affection on things above. Now we already know what the things above means. Because we just heard that it is not the next... Uh, uh, solar system or the next galaxy 10,000 light years away. We are talking about where Christ seated. Hallelujah. So set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So last week we went into the details for the last two weeks about what it means to be dead and your life being hidden with Christ in God. But the most important thing I want to encourage you and I about is that we must be mindful of eternity. 
And we must also remember that everything we have done, we are going to give an account of. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's start from verse 1. Let's just quickly go through verse 1. But we are going from verse 1 to around 10. For we know, now let's use NLT for this. And then when we get to verse 10, we use King James. Hallelujah. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. Now someone would think it's your house, but let's continue. When, and then dash means when we die and leave these bodies. My body and your body is my tent. Our tent is our body. And we leave these bodies, we will have a home in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Hallelujah. Are we? Okay. We grow weary in our present bodies. And we long for the day when we will put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Won't it be a blessing? When this body will be done away with. When this body of sin, this body of weakness will be done away with. Where there will be no more pain. Let's continue. For we will not be spirits without bodies. But we will put on heavenly bodies. Our dying bodies make us groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and have no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by everlasting life. God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. That is why we live by believing and not by seeing. Now hold on. This is very important. Now switch to King James, verse 6. From verse 6, rather. Now this is very important because we know this verse and we use it a lot. And we use it rightfully. But the reason the verse was written is explained here. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight, into brackets. So we are walking by faith and not by sight, meaning that we are, not, we are walking by faith in God and not by what we see. Because really speaking, we are all looking forward to heaven. And our bodies are not really ourselves. I am not my, this is not me. I am inside this tent. The real David Saki is inside the body. I'm a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. One day, this body will be done away with. So I am confident and know that when I am absent from this body, I am present with the Lord. Very important. When I am absent from this body, I am present with the Lord as a Christian. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's continue. For we are confident, rather, verse 8, please. 
we are confident, I say, and rather will, uh, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Does someone has a, have a physical Bible? I'll, I'll need it just to keep the flow. Hallelujah. Whether we are, whether we labor, that whether, sorry, wherefore we labor, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. How many are getting what I'm saying? So it is very, very important for us to realize that, look, we would one day meet God. We will one day meet God. And when we do, we want to make sure that we'll be ready. How many are getting what I'm saying? So we must all remember that there is a time that one day we would have to give an account of what we've done in our bodies. This life is like a school. This life, we are gathering up treasures and valuable things that we will use in heaven. The Bible makes it clear that we came into this world with nothing. We came into this world with nothing. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, from verse 6 to 12. We came into this world with nothing, and it is certain we will live with nothing. The only thing we will live with are the valuable things that we stored up for heaven. Those are the only things that will count. What we stored up for heaven. Can I have an amen? amen? So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 12. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, godliness is devotion, reverence to God. Reverence or godliness to God with contentment and satisfaction in life, whether or not you have what you need, is great gain. Whether or not I have my bank account full of money, whether or not I have food the next day, so far as I have something to eat, so far as I have a place to stay, even if it's not the best of conditions, once I am content, it is great gain. Godliness, when I'm devoted to God and I have my daily needs, it is great gain. Because there are many who have everything you and I are looking for, but they are not content. And therefore, it is not gain to them. But someone who has just the basics for life and has devotion towards God, that person has the greatest gain you can imagine. Because there are other people out there who are, have what you and I are looking for, but they are not content. Then what is the point of what they have? Because money is not the end, but a means to an end. What do I mean? Money is something that we use to enjoy life. Money is something that we use to get things comfortable. So if we are already comfortable, then the money itself is not as important. Even though the Bible says money answers all things. So what I want to encourage us to know is that look, we don't need to love money or chase after money. Whatever state we are in, we should be content even though we are expecting God to give us more. Hallelujah. You can put your hands together for the Lord. Why is godliness with contentment great gain? For we brought nothing into this world. When we came to this world as babies, we entered the world 
bare, no clothing, nothing. We entered into the world clear, bare, not with anything, not with diapers, not with even the food to eat. We entered empty. And the Bible says that it is certain that we will carry nothing out. You can put gold in the casket. The Egyptians, the pharaohs, <laughs> what they did was that the pharaohs, because they were, they were preparing them to enter into the afterlife and to have the treasures they had on earth in the afterlife, they, they put valuable gold and treasures in their caskets. But it's not living. That's not, it's, it's, it's not going to work. We will live with nothing. Even though we entered into this world with nothing, it is certain we will live with nothing, especially the physical things we have. We are not going to live with our certificates. We are not going to live with our, our experience, our degree experiences or our, our work experience. We are not going to live with our cars. We are not going to live with our houses. We are not going to live with our spouse. We are not going to live with our children. We entered with nothing. We will live with nothing. We will live with nothing. Very, very important thing to note. And having food and raiment, let us be therefore content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, meaning that they that want to be rich, they that desire to be rich, because we are going to live without the things. Why fight for the things we are not going to go with? There is a difference between knowing that God will make you rich and desiring to be rich. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So there's a difference between I, God is going to give me riches because I need riches to be a blessing to people and to have a comfortable life. That is different from loving money. The Bible makes it very clear. Let's keep reading it. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and so distraction in ruin and in perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Some versions say all kinds of evil. The love of money, loving money, brings evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There are many who have loved money and in the pursuit of money, they have erred from the faith. They have deviated from the faith. They have left the faith and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and pain. Meaning that when you love money, the things you will do to get money will cause you to err from the faith. Will cause you to shift from the faith and will cause a lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow. There is no one who has loved money and pursued money who has not ended up in pain, in ruin, in sorrow. But those who trust God and say, God, I don't love mammon. Mammon is a, a, a god. 
small g. I don't love it. I love you, but I know you are going to bless me because that is part of the promises. Your word says that you are rich, but you became poor. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Follow after godliness. So instead of chasing after money, let's chase after godliness. Let's chase after righteousness. Let's chase, and the righteousness that this is referring to is the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ Jesus. Let's follow after piety, after, 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 after devotion towards God. Let's follow after pistis, faith, believing, acting out the belief. Let's follow after, after these things. And love. Let's follow after agape. Let's follow after the God kind of love. Benevolent love. The, the love that is sacrificial. Let's follow after. That, that, that's what we should follow after. Don't follow after money. Don't follow after these riches. Follow after these things. Because these things will count when we go to heaven. These are the things that will count. These are the things that will abound to our account. Patience. And the patience is having patience in difficulty having patience in trial yes you are going through different trials you are going through different difficulties having patience in it knowing that the god we serve will see you through i said knowing that the god we serve will see us through that faithful is he that has called us who will do it for us glory to god that is what we need to do patience and meekness fight the good fight of faith Lay hold on eternal life. These are the things we should fight for, not money. Whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession. Hallelujah. In front of many witnesses. We must remember that what is the point of fighting for things that we cannot keep? If we even had a, a million years to live, and to spend, God said, choose a million years to, to have a million dollars a year for a million years. The million years will come up. But eternity never ends. It's boundless, timeless. So what is the point? That's what the Bible says. What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul. We have a short life. Very short life. It, can, it, it comes and goes. Very, very short life and a long eternity. James 4.14. Short life. Now think about it. There are different ways to see it. One is that the person lives and dies young. Or dies before their time. Or dies at the time appointed. Number two. Christ comes. Number three, by the grace of God, we all live till we are old. But even that, ask the people who are old now, before they realize they were old. I remember when I was a teenager. Now, uh, look, look at Time is flying. I said, well, time is flying. Time is flying. Now 50 plus. Well, 50. Time is just shooting up. Whether you feel like it or not, you are still 50. I don't feel like 50. 
I've always confessed that I'm 17 and a half, 18 and a half, and that I have the strength and body of a 17, 18 and a half. Of course, that uh, uh, maybe is moved up to like 20s. <laughs> from 17 and a half is now moved to 20s. You have to believe it. You have to confess it. Keep confessing it and confessing it to the a point that you can outrun people. I was having outreach one day in Cleveland with my, uh, my son, daughter, uh, I don't know what it was, Abby Etta, one of them. And I was telling my son that, yeah, Titi, you were there, you were the timekeeper. I was telling my son that, you know what, imagine if you were devoted to God. The Bible says that, look, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Even the youths will fall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord, meaning that even the youths will be weary and give up. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So I said, imagine you were serving God, Niajin. You were committed to God in a certain way. You would be very, very, very strong and very, very, you have a lot of endurance. Because look at me, I'm, I've told him the things I had done and I'm still standing strong. And he brushed it off. So I said, oh, really? Okay. So there was a challenge. Let's see who ran faster <laughs> at my age. And he's 28. At that time, he was 19 or whatever. So she was a timekeeper. <laughs> Now, we, we went to the Cleveland church. There was a long hall by the kids' section. She timed, kept the time. We ran back and forth, back and forth, racing, until he gave up and panting, and I continued to the end. True or false, latterly? Why? Because, uh, because God also tried to prove that they that wait upon the Lord, the youths, the, that verse became a reality that day. That verse was proved that day. Yeah. We, we, we ran, we're running. We're all panting, but he gave up. He had to give up, and I continued. Yeah. Why? Because of that verse. But we have a short life and a long eternity. A short life. Most people will not live past 120 years old. Most people would die before 120. I've given myself 98, 99, 100 is okay. <laughs> but most people will die by and 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 when I'm 90, when I'm 99, by the grace of God, I want to be able to be climbing hills. Oh yeah. You can have what you say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Even my uncle is 93 or 94 and he's climbing the stairs. Why, why can't I do that if I trust God and have faith? As for being bedfast by the grace of God, may none of us desire to be bedfast at age 90 or 80. But at the end of the day, we still have a short life and a long eternity. Time doesn't hold in eternity. Actually, there was a time that time began. And there will be a time that there will be no more time. So, because time, there was a point that time started. And God started time. God was outside of time. And then God started time, created the universe at, 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 at a certain time. So, why should we focus on this short life? 
James 4.14. Go to, go to now. Ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That's why I always try to say God willing. Because God hasn't promised us tomorrow. So I don't have the right to say tomorrow I'll do this. Of course, when you're at work, you, don't want, you can't just say God willing. But in your mind, God, you and God know that. You are saying God willing even though you have to write, oh, tomorrow I'll do this. But when you are talking to people, it's important for God and everyone to know that you understand that your life is not in your hands, but God willing. But what I want us to identify or focus on is verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while. A vapor, when you see the vapor, it vanishes. It, the vapor, and then you just see the vapor, and then that's it. Vapor appears for a very short time and vanishes, disappears disappears and it's as if it never existed but when someone is committed to god that person's life will still be like the vapor because that's the truth we, we will not pass 120 years most of us even though Sad says that he's going to live till christ comes and then he'll meet the second coming you can have faith for that i've not reached that point yet just 100 is enough <laughs> hallelujah a vapor, it appears, vanishes. You and I, our lives are like a vapor. Even a thousand years is a vapor compared to trillions of years which start like a few seconds and start again. Eternity, there's no time. But a Christian who is committed and devoted to God, what will happen is that their lives will appear like a vapor, but like perfume. When you spray it, the effect, the scent lingers on. So our works... The things we have done will linger on on the earth. Oh, yes. Many people don't, very soon, give it another 30 years. People will start talking about uh, uh, Steve Jobs. I'm sure people don't even talk about him much. But, of Voltaire and those people. But, Billy Graham. At least when I'm preaching, you hear Billy Graham. You hear Kenneth Hagin. You hear Smith Wigglesworth. They are long dead. You would hear Catherine Kuhlman. You hear Amy Simple McPherson, the first square gospel chair, you, you found that you hear them. You hear it. But they are long dead. But the effects of what they did are still lingering on. The apostles, they are, the effect of what they, are, they, they did is still lingering on. That shows the importance of our devotion to God. You and I should remember that when we try to make a name for God, God will make a name for us. Nimrod, the Tower of Babel, he tried to make a name for himself and was scattered. Very few people know him. Who knows how many, maybe, maybe you, how many know Nimrod? Okay, not everyone knows Nimrod. Nimrod was the one who tried to build the Tower of Babel, but people don't know him. Abraham tried to build a name for, him, for God. What happened? We all know Abraham. We we'll continue to know Abraham also 
in the afterlife we have abraham's bosom even the afterlife god honored abraham and we have abraham's bosom even though it's now in heaven we have abraham's bosom in the afterlife i don't know what i'm preaching to somebody you and us must remember that we have a short life and a long eternity so let's let's be wise A wise person has life insurance. A, life pe- a wise person at uh, earthly standards, and it's important. You have to have life insurance. If you don't have it, please remember to have it. It's very important. A wise person on earth has life insurance. The younger you are, the cheaper it is. So even people, your age, the students, uh, uh, you guys, the earlier, the better. All of you, the earlier, the better, young folk. When you wait till you are older, it becomes more expensive. And a lot of people, when they are older, then you have high cholesterol, you have this, you have that one. It sports things. You, you can get it, but it's going to be more expensive. So a wise person has life insurance. A li- wise person also has 401k. Has retirement. 401k is retirement, you know, preparing for retirement, pension, or retirement money. That's because they are planning for 25 years. 65 plus 25 is what? 90. How many people, when I say in the West, how many people in the West? Because the life expectancy or mortality rate in the West is different from in Africa. Life expectancy in, in, the, in the West is higher. But nevertheless, there are not many who live to 90 years old in the West. And the quality of life will also go down. Nevertheless, it's wise to plan for 25 years. Why don't we plan for eternity? What about eternity? If you can plan for 25 years, why not plan for perpetuity? I don't know, because I'm a math major. But you are not, when I say perpetuity, well, you are a math guy. Perpetuity, it means eternity. Perpetuity means infinity. It means forever. It means no end. Yeah. Why don't we plan for forever? The Bible says that there are fruits... That would abound to our account. Now, it could mean that it will abound to our account or to our, what, what we are doing. It, it will account to, it will abound, the fruit will abound to uh, 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 help us. It, it, it will abound to your account. It will abound to your name. It will abound to what you are doing. Or it will abound to your heavenly account. Glory. There's a heavenly account. It will abound to your heavenly account. I don't know I'm preaching to somebody. I said you and I must focus on what will happen in eternity. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth nor rust doth corrupt. Where thieves can break through and steal. Look, on the earth, moth and rust will corrupt it. What do we mean? It means you are going to leave it behind. And thieves will break through and steal. It might not necessarily be a physical thief or an arm robber. It could be an investment banker or someone who is, has your investments, like Barron's Bank, Nick Neeson, Barron's Bank. He messed people's retirement money and people killed, them, or killed themselves, all these things in the UK. You, someone can steal your, your funds by, by mismanaging your funds, your retirement money. Lay up not for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust will corrupt. Where thieves can break through and steal. Rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why it's important for our treasure to be in heaven. Because when you have done many things, you have done a lot of works, you have given a lot of money for the church, you have given a lot of works, you've given your life, it is a treasure in heaven. And your heart to be there because you are investing your life. You are investing your time. You are investing your resources. You are investing your energy. You are investing your money. You are investing it to God. When you are investing it to God, your heart to be there because your heart is where you put your energy. Am I preaching to somebody? Because ladies and gentlemen, death can come at any time. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready. This life, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven this sore travail hath God given to the sons of men, of man, to be exercised therewith. Let me repeat that again. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. Meaning that I gave my heart. He was the wisest man on earth. And he gave his heart by wisdom to search the affairs of men. To search out how man is and how life is. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised thereof. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. NLT verse 14 says, I observed everything going on under the sun or on earth, and really it is all meaningless like chasing the wind. This life is, we are chasing the wind. We are chasing the wind because you, the wind you cannot keep. You cannot keep the wind, so you, you are chasing it. Am I preaching to somebody? You can, you can, the wind is not yours. You can't grasp it. You can't hold it for long or at all. In the same way, all the things we are amassing, we can't keep it. We can't hold it. Everything we are trying to do. I am trying to do, you are trying to do, we can't keep it. But life is meaningful when we are amassing the wealth, but we are rich towards God. Jesus talked about the man who was successful in his business. His business was flourishing. He was doing well. He had so many things going on. He was successful. He, he was so successful that he opened branches in different states, and it became global. But as he said to himself, wow, I have done well. I'm very successful. I'm going to expand further. God said tonight is time. Your, your soul is being required of you. Maybe a car accident, maybe cancer. Which took, it's not every cancer that takes, but maybe cancer. Maybe COVID-19. It could be anything. But when God says in heaven that your soul is being required, it means that there will be a death. Or nothing happened, he just died in his sleep. Then Jesus said, look at what this fool, rich fool, God, Jesus called him a rich fool. 
Why was he a rich fool? Because he was rich? No. But the Bible says because he was rich and he was not rich toward God. That was his crime. He was not rich towards God. He was not rich towards God. That, that was a crime. Solomon had searched out life. Had figured out through wisdom what made sense. And at the end of it, he realized that, look, this life, chasing after things is meaningless. And it is like chasing the wind. This is why the only thing that makes sense is Jesus Christ. I said, it's Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. I don't know I'm speaking to somebody. Another very important thing that you and I must realize Oh, Christian man, Christian woman, we are, you and I must realize, so I'm not talking on you, but I'm talking to us. But nevertheless, oh, Christian man, Christian woman. Oh, Christian man, Christian woman. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. NLT. <clears throat> Either way, Christ's love controls or constrains us. Very important. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. For ye are dead. Glory to God. He explains that. For ye are dead. Don't turn to it, please. Colossians 3, 2 says, for ye, no, Colossians 3, 3 says, for ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Ye are dead. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. We are dead to the old life. The old life is dead. It's gone. We are dead to our old life. He died for everyone. So that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This is critically important. This verse is saying that we must remember that we are dead to this old life. And Christ died for us so that we will no longer live for ourselves. But we should live for him who died and rose from the dead. It means that you are not supposed to live for yourself. I am not supposed to live for myself. What I want doesn't count. Bible. Is it written? Is it clear? Crystal clear. Crack red. Crystal clear. We are not to live for ourselves. It doesn't mean, you see, it doesn't mean don't work. It doesn't mean don't work hard so that you can have a good life, a good living. It doesn't mean don't work so that and, and expect to be blessed financially. But as I'm doing it, I'm, I'm working to fulfill my purpose. I am in the world to live for Jesus. But as I'm living for Jesus, I need to work to have a good, comfortable life so that I can work for Jesus better. Oh, I thought you put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I work. You are working. I'm working not 
because work is life but work is a way to help me and keep me going nice whilst I fulfill my purpose so I live for Christ but I work to live for Christ I live for Christ but I work to live for Christ that's the truth Because I'm not supposed to live for myself, but for Christ. This is the Bible. Let's get another in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Many times someone will just use one scripture out of context and say it as law. But it's always important to have two or three. Every establishment, you can have two or three witnesses. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Let me give you the second. First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Am I preaching to somebody? <clears throat> What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Don't worry, I'll read in NLT to explain it better. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you get that? Which are God's. Now remember, if you buy something at a very expensive price, if you buy a robot at uh, maybe a million dollars, does the robot belong to itself or to the one who bought it? We were bought with a price. Oh, I thought you put your hands together for Jesus. For ye were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Now let's read in NLT. Don't, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit or your body is the temple of God who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves. You do not belong to yourselves. I do not belong to myself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. King James says, with your body and your spirit, which are God's. Am I preaching to somebody? Very important. The we, there was a price paid and we must honor God. Because I don't belong to myself. Some people feel their children belong to them. You, my children don't belong to me. I'm a caretaker of God's children. No one belongs to anyone. No human being owns another human being. That's blasphemy, actually. Or, or maybe not blasphemy, but that is against God's word. I, you, you don't belong to me. I don't own you. That's why you, you, at a point when you are old enough, you make your own decision <clears throat> with guidance. I'm talking about biological. You understand? Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't own you. So parents must be careful not to force or Im impose on the children. But to guide them to what they want to do. Very important. No company owns you. 
The Bible says that you and I were in bondage to sin. And we, and, and, and we were freed by Christ. And no one should now be enslaved again in the yoke of bondage again to have rules and regulations. I'm not talking about, of course, there are rules and regulations important in church, in business, at work. But I'm just talking about, I control you. No, get up here. Do this. Do no, no, no. <clears throat> because I'm not for myself. If I don't own myself, how can someone own me? God is the one who owns us. That's why we must make sure that we fulfill God's will and not our will. My will is not important. It is God's will that matters. My will doesn't matter. Does your will matter? No. Does your will matter? No, your will doesn't matter. It's God's will that matters. But there are times when you and I please God. Look at Mark eleven twenty four. When you and I please God at times, God will, let's, let's look at Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, you desire, you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Your desire, what things soever you desire when you pray, that is because you have the faith of God. Hallelujah. Look at John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. There are times that God allows your will to take over for what you want. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, but realize that if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But that means that you are remaining in Christ, and Christ's word is remaining in you. Because, you see, all these words, they are so important because this is what, this is what matters in eternity. Not, not now. And look, there are many people chasing after carrots. It's like you have a donkey and you have carrots in front of the donkey. You have a pole. And the donkey is chasing the carrot. Chasing, chasing. And you never find it. That's what the, the devil has made people believe. That I can chase after happiness and riches. Let me keep chasing. Many people, very few people are rich successfully in a way. Even though God will make us rich in Jesus' name. But many, very few are successful. Many people continue to chase, chase, chase and not get what they want, live and die still not getting the riches. But let's assume we have the riches. What is the point of the riches when we cannot keep it? I would want God to bless me financially and cause me to be rich and I'll, we all know we'll let it go. God said that we, it is certain we'll take nothing out. But my works I have done will follow me. So I'm blessed on earth and when I go to heaven, I have riches in heaven. That's better than looking for riches on earth, which perhaps you might get, you might not get, and get nothing in heaven. I'm talking to Christians, and therefore we are not even talking about heaven and hell. We are talking about the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians are judged for rewards. Where the, 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 the works are passed through fire. And based on the, 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 the quality that comes out. Rewards or loss of rewards. Let's try to 
now let's descend. The plane is descending before it gets onto the runway. Now, since our, we are not ourselves of our lives, we, our lives do not belong to us. And God wants us to glorify himself in us. I want us to see a critic. Everything is critical, but this is more critical. How many are looking for the more critical thing? <clears throat> Acts 11.26 Now, before we get there, what, what is a Christian? What, what, what is a Christian? Someone who believes in God. Someone who believes in God. What is a Christian? Living the will of God. Living the will of God. Who else wants to try? Okay, what is a Christian? Oh, uh, can you come? Don't, don't. Dead to self and alive for God. Dead to self and alive for God. These are all true. And a Christian is also, yes, just like you all said, uh, uh, someone who is dead to self, alive for God, a person who believes in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Very good. Now, Acts 11.26 also gives us a biblical definition of a Christian also. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught many people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So it means that there was a church at Antioch. And the disciples of Jesus... Those who were following Jesus, who were disciples of Jesus, everything we said is true. But I'm giving you the biblical to explain what God wants us to hear today. So, there were disciples of Jesus walking around. And they were in church. Now, there were different churches. Church at Ephesus. Church at Smyrna. Church at uh, 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 Philippi. Church at Corinth. Philadelphia. And there was also a church at Antioch. But everywhere, they were just called, hey, disciples of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. That's how they called them. And then the first time the word Christian was ever mentioned in this world was at Antioch. And it was referring to disciples of Jesus. So, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So it means that a Christian is a disciple of Jesus. Now, let's find out what the qualifications for a disciple of Jesus is. Now, hold on tight. Hold, hold on. <laughs> hold on tight. Look at Matthew 16, 21 to 26. Apart from one, most of them are the same in terms of Jesus asks, who do men say that I am? Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are one of the prophets. Some say you are Elijah. Then they asked, then Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Then Simon Peter spoke up and said, 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus with excitement said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And it goes on. Now look at verse 21, Matthew 16, 21. From that time, so after Jesus uh, uh, told them that, then uh, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and, scri and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. When I look for the definition of the, the, the rebuke, I was surprised. Wow, Peter, he was bold to rebuke God. It was actually rebuke. He was actually chiding him and like trying to correct him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be done unto thee. But he turned and said unto him to, unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. Now, why did Jesus say that Satan was an offense unto him? It explains, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Anytime we try to prevent the sacrifice that God has allowed, that God wants, then we are an offense unto God. Did you get that? Verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, I have maybe four or five. Let's read. I will not say much about this because they are all the same, and I will just touch on one of them. Mark 10, 32 to 39. Now, all the synoptic Gospels, Give this account. Do you know what the synoptic gospels are? The gospels that are similar. Matthew, Mark, Luke are similar. John is the only different one. Number one. Number two, the only, how many know who the apostles, uh, which of the gospels were written by apostles? Yes, but you see, uh, 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 the apostles, Matthew was an apostle and John was an apostle. But Luke and Mark were not apostles. John Mark was not an apostle. Luke was a companion of Paul. And he wrote a historical uh, a narrative of Jesus for Theophilus. When you read Luke chapter 1 verse 1. And you read Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Oh Theophilus. The things that I have. Yeah, yeah, so that's Luke. And then John Mark was a companion of Peter. So most likely Peter was uh, contributed to the gospel of uh, uh, Mark. Hallelujah. So that's why they are authentic. A strong companion of Apostle Paul, who is a, uh, an apostle, and a companion of Peter, Mark. So Mark and Luke were not apostles, but Matthew and John were apostles. Hallelujah. So the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, are very similar. John is on a class of its own. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. So you can imagine. Let's continue. Mark, Matthew 10, 32 to 39. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. 
For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. And a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. There's no time to go into this. But this will happen a lot during the tribulation period. But you see that there's conflict when someone wants to serve God. Someone wants to be a Christian. Maybe from another religion. And the parents say, over my dead body. There's going to be variance. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This Jesus. Let me repeat that again. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now Jesus has his definition of what he decides is love more. You and I might say, oh, I don't love my, I love God more, but maybe you are proving it out differently by allowing your parents or allowing your children to take you away from your devotion to God. If you used to serve God in a certain way and children have come, so because of that you've stopped, or you used to serve God in a certain way and, uh, uh, what, uh, and your parents have told you and because of that you've stopped, then you, Jesus might convert it to loving them more than him. Whatever that definition is, we have to be careful. So this especially goes to those who are yet to have children. We all have children, but all the youngies. Don't shout me down now, preaching a fine message here. Hallelujah. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You see, I'm past the time. Amen. Let me just finish. I think I've landed. <laughs> if you don't take your cross and follow after Jesus, he's saying you are not worthy of him. Next time I'll talk about the cross itself, what it means. But that's serious. Anyone who does not take up their cross and follow after him is not worthy of him. That's pretty serious. Let's read the other ones. Let me make sure. Okay, just okay, good. This one is, is important. Mark 8, 31, okay, to 38, but let me just jump to um, Mark 8, 35. No, 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Okay, good. How many have I quoted so far? A good number. I've quoted Matthew 16, Matthew 10, Mark 8, and then I'll give you the two in Luke, and then we finish with these verses, and then we, 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 we continue. Saying... In fact, I'll just read it. We don't have to finish this week. We can finish next week. There's no rush. Hallelujah. Luke 9, 22 to 26. I want you to read it, but let me see if I can skip. 
Okay. 22. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be risen the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall, you know, then it goes on the same thing. Now finally, so I want us to take note of this. These are separate verses. Now the final one, which is the most important, is Luke 14, 23 to 27 and 33. But let me skip to verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So it means that, I think you are getting it, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So a Christian is a disciple. Now Jesus is saying that for you to be a disciple, you must hate your father. <laughs> you must hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brethren and your sisters and your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be his disciple and therefore a Christian will be a problem. And anyone who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. But don't worry. It's explained in... The word hate is the word misio, and that word means to love less, esteem less, to love someone or something less than someone else, to renounce one choice in favor of another, or a relative disregard and indifference. Look at uh, Amplified. A relative disregard or indifference to a thing. So that word hate means that, let me read that again. If any man come to me and does not love less, far less compared to me, father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Amplified, look at what it says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard to them in comparison with his attitude towards God and likewise his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So that word hate means relative disregard too. So what Jesus is saying is that if your love for your family members is not so low in comparison to your love for him, you cannot be his disciple. Why? Because you will not do the things a disciple should do. It also means that you will not be able to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Because you love your children so much that you, you cannot let go of them. I, I have to be with my children. I, I have to be with my spouse. I, I, I have to get money. I have to, your own life. I need to look good. I need to do better for myself. I, I, I need to buy. Uh, I, I need to work hard. I, I, I need to, now, I need to do what? All the things you need to do to get the money. All the things you need to do. It will prevent you from doing what a disciple should do. Because the disciple is supposed to deny themselves. Deny themselves of their rights. Deny themselves of comfort. 
deny themselves of privileges if they need to. If they need to. And take up their cross. What is the cross? It doesn't mean go and take a literal wooden cross and be moving on the streets. Someone did, has done that. Someone does that. But he goes to different countries and wins souls for that yeah. for them. But it doesn't mean take a physical cross. It means the cross. What is the cross? Simplifies signifies shame, signifies suffering. It doesn't mean go and look for diseases and suffering. No, it means suffer for Christ. It means toil for Christ. It means work hard for Christ. It means be inconvenienced for Christ. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that again. But the cross. Anyone who comes to him must deny themselves. So a Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is made possible if only we will love everything else so low in comparison to our love for him. Nevertheless, we are to love our neighbors ourselves. So we are supposed to love each other greatly, but love God far more. Yes, yes. We are to love him far more. So that, that our love for him. Phoebe, come. You are here. Each, 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 each step is 10 billion. And I'm here. Phoebe, come a bit closer so they can see you. Yes, you are here and I'm here. Each step is 10 billion. My love for the greatest human being on earth or for myself or for anything is here. And trillions of steps is here. So yes, God expects us to love everyone, especially our family people, more than anything we can imagine. Love ourselves. But compared to our love for him, it is insignificant. A billion and zero. 10,000 is a lot, but 10,000 will be grouped with zero compared to 10 billion. So my love for anyone, you can, take, you can clap for her, my love for anyone should be significant. My love for money should be significant. My love for fame should be significant. My love for myself should be insignificant. Did I say significant? Insignificant compared to my love for Jesus. Otherwise, I cannot... I cannot, I cannot be his disciple. If I do not deny myself and take up my cross and follow him, I cannot be his disciple. We'll talk about, we'll continue. But the key is praying to God. It's, it's, not, it's not a problem. God is the one, look at uh, uh, Philippians 2.13. We are entering into the gate. The, no, the gate. The, 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 <laughs> The gate. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you and I should pray to God. God, give me the grace to deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. Lord, give me the grace to love you so much more in comparison to everything else according to your word. Help me. When we pray, God will do it for us. I'm not out of word. I'm just out of time. We'll continue and finalize next week, God willing. Shall we stand to our feet? I wanted to finish today, but it's our church. No rush. Let's speak to the Lord. 
I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. So rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship God, we love you and we thank you for all you've done in our lives. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead. We know, we've heard that we are not our own, that you have bought us with a price. And we should glorify you in our bodies and our spirits which are yours. Thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Whilst we are praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are not born again, and you know in your heart that if you die today, you do not know whether you would go to heaven or hell. If you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you want him to save you, you want your sins forgiven. You want to be washed with the blood of Jesus. You know that you are so far from God that you need his help. I want you to raise your hands where you are. And repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. Can someone remove that thing over there? Uh, can you please show them what to remove? It's uh, deceiving me. Hallelujah. So let's take out a good offering. And if we have our tithe, our first and best, we can uh, have it ready. The Bible says we should pay our tithe, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. Now someone will say the New Testament, we don't have tithe there. Jesus said, you tithe with cumin and, and, the, and, and, and the tiniest particles, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law such as mercy, faithfulness, and truth. Tithing, yes, you should continue to tithe, but do not neglect the others because they are more important than tithing. So there are many things more important than tithing. It's more important, according to Jesus, it's more important to be faithful. It's more important to be uh, gracious. It's more important to do certain things than to tithe, but tithe is important. The eye is important, but the brain is more important. The hand is important, but the spleen or, or maybe the, 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 the liver is more important. What do you think? The feet might be important, but the heart is more important. So there are important things like tithing, but there are weightier things. But nevertheless, let's do all the important things. Amen. Shall we raise our tithe? Father God, bless my tithe, bless our tithe, bless each and everyone's tithe. May you open the windows of heaven and pour out many blessings. Pour out the blessing so that there will be not enough room to contain it. Empty out the blessings, Lord, from heaven. Open the windows of heaven in, on our lives with your blessing. And Father God, your word says you will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. May our money not just vanish. May things not eat up our money. But may our money continue to grow and grow and grow till we become wealthier and wealthier, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's, if you have your offering, can raise your offering. Father God, bless our offering, oh God. Bless us as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. Give and it will come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. Give and it will come back to you. Go. 
good measure, press down, shaking together and running over, give, and it will come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. One more time, give, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over, give. And it will come back to you when you give, you give to the Lord. Father God, bless your offering and your tithe. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you all. God bless you all for coming. Those on social media, you are blessed. May God bless you, may God honor you, may God favor you, may God cause you to excel in every good thing. And for all of us here, may that be our story. May we all excel in every good thing. May God bless the works of our hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.